Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. God is calling me. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your Carnes, joined as always by my co-host Daniel Hammock. Daniel, uh, I mean, another big week for college football this week. We're just counting down the weeks till the season, and every week's important. Watching what these other sports do as well, as far as having a season goes. Yeah, every week from from this point forward is very important that the COVID cases go down. Well, yeah, and not just you know the the COVID cases, but uh, well, I guess it's 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 the whole picture of like public health in general. Um, you you're not going to win any any games by uh, with, with the public by uh, forcing your hand. Uh, the more I, I think the public perception, which you and I know this not to be true, at least at least I, I know it not to be true, is is that these these schools are only concerned with money, and that that's why they're forcing these players out there. Um, when it's kind of the reverse, the players want to be there, and one of the safest places that they can be, at least right now, is a controlled environment on a college campus. So uh, that's something that um, I, I believe uh, most of these coaches, you know, there's always going to be some bad apples out there, but most of these coaches truly, I mean, their livelihood, yes, but they're, these players are their livelihood. They have talked to these parents about them being, you know, their um, – you know, basically parent for the three to four years while they're on, on campus. So these coaches, you know, carry this weight. And I think that they, they hold this, uh, you know, very, um, you know, they, they hold this responsibility. They don't take it lightly, you know, and I think, um, you know, these, these players are more safe on campus than off is my point. So definitely, um, I, I like that they're on campus now. And, you know, we're, we're seeing these cases go up, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I like what you, you've said a couple of times. We're able to just kind of watch these other sports and see how they react. And, you know, we're still technically a month and a half, two months away from kickoff uh, from that Labor Day weekend uh, where everybody's going to be going at it. Big and, good, and good news is, you know, like Major League Baseball is more watching now and their initial test came in and it's, it was the best initial test of any sport so far, where it was about 1% of players and staff that got tested actually had it. It was only 31 players and staff that had the virus. And so those are great numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, let's just keep up when these cases go down. I mean, the South Carolina governor this week said that he'll he'll stop football if cases don't go down. So I'm hoping this is a like encouragement to the state to like, hey, wear a mask when you go yeah. out. If they stop football, then Clemson is going to secede from the state of South Carolina, and they're going to play. <laughs> can you imagine, like Clemson watching four of their teams go to the playoff, knowing what they have this year, oh my like gosh. No, knowing the talent they have, and then watching I'm, Trevor Lawrence walk out the door without yep. another shot at an Addy? <clears throat> That's insane. It yeah. would be a few recruits to hit on this week. Some, I mean, big time recruits this week: two five stars, one four star. We'll talk about real quick. Uh, five-star Caleb Williams committing to Oklahoma. Five-star um, Tony Grimes committing to North Carolina. And then um, Dallas Turner, four-star defensive end committing to Alabama this week. High four-star. He's probably going to be a five-star by cycle's end. Right. Uh, he's big-time player out of uh, out of Miami, out of South Florida down there. Um, 
Tony Grimes, very interesting with him. Um, he's from Virginia Beach area, um, as is uh, Dre Bly, his future defensive backs coach in uh, at University of North Carolina. Obviously, Dre Bly played at North Carolina, came from the Virginia Beach area. It's a very similar story, very close relationship between the two. Uh, interesting nugget here is that Tony Grimes has flirted with the idea of graduating and reclassifying over the summer. Um, a couple weeks ago, his family announced that they were going to stick it out and play through this football season as a senior in high school and go ahead and play since Virginia high schools looked like they were going to play. They still are on track to play, but he has actually set, come out and said that it's more likely now that with North Carolina, he's going to take that last online class that he needs over this month and then enroll in August. So he'll be reclassifying into the class of 2020, which is huge news for an already talented North Carolina team and hopes to, you know, potentially take that ACC coastal by storm. So something to keep an eye on. And that's definitely something that North Carolina would have an advantage of is saying, Hey, you're a five-star. You can for sure get on the field this year. Right. Whereas other, other schools that were in the mix, like Georgia, for example, he'd be, he'd be sitting the depth. He'd be sitting back even next year waiting for a position to open up just because of the depth of the position. So, right. And same I mean, with Ohio State. Those are the two other big players outside. And Ohio State perennially has NFL talent out there. Yep. Georgia stacked into the secondary. So this is, I mean, it's a good move for him as far as playing time for sure. Uh, definitely interested to watch like <laughs> someone this late taking a class and getting in. Yeah, I've never heard of that before, but you know that's what you get with the coronavirus. That's what you get. I mean, he's been thinking about this for a little while. So, I mean, Alabama getting Dallas Turner. I mean, another great edge defensive player going to Alabama. No surprise there. Alabama and Georgia, the big players there. Which again, no surprise. And Caleb Williams, I just want to mention with Oklahoma. I mean, way to go, Oklahoma. You missed out on Brock Vandegrift, who had originally committed to Oklahoma. The other, you know, the other five star. (laughs) dual threat quarterback and uh, Brock Vandegrift and instead you get a higher rated <laughs> five star right. dual threat quarterback you know you, you took the commitment from the number two rated dual threat quarterback and then you uh he decommitted so you took the commitment from the number one dual threat quarterback which I mean if I'm a if I'm a quarterback in high school it's a no-brainer if Oklahoma offers you oh, yeah. like even if you get one year look what they've done with one year for their quarterbacks like Heisman. And the way he's getting projected, I mean, he's the guy that's going to get top five considerations in a future NFL draft. I know some of this sounds crazy, but you really have to start projecting some of this stuff with how quickly guys come in and are gone. So, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll see what they got with Spencer Rattler this year. We talked about it last week. But, I mean, if he's not over and abundantly the guy, I mean, he's going to have to beat out Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams will definitely – be there for that he's a he's a talented dude and he's a he's definitely a russell wilson type of quarterback it's that too that's the comparisons that he's drawn um, Russell wilson right i mean he's 6-1 210 so i mean great gift for oklahoma best quarterback in the country ranked right now and so yeah i mean the rich get richer oklahoma just getting another good quarterback <laughs> surprise surprise but let's dive into the Big Ten East. So moving from the Big 12 to the Big Ten, we'll do the East this week. And we'll go we'll go top to bottom. So no surprise here, although we did consider 
not picking Ohio State, which we'll talk about here in a second, but Ohio State winning the Big Ten East, I mean, this wasn't difficult. When I say we considered it, it was like a thought that I had a, a what if, just because one game is going to carry a lot of weight, and that's Ohio State when they travel to, um, to, Happy, Cop- Valley. to Happy Valley. <laughs> so that'll be a white-out game. But, I mean, Ohio State, with as much as they lost, you know, look at returning production, they're at 93rd in the country, but they're in that Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson category of, I wouldn't really look at the returning production for these teams because it is just a reload. Right. <laughs> um, and Ohio State ranks second in SP Plus preseason. They rank third in our preseason XPR. The projected win totals at 11. Give me your thoughts on Ohio State. Over. Take the over. Take but, the over. <laughs> yeah. So I absolutely, I mean, I, I love Ohio State and their chances of continuing their dominance. I love Ryan Day as a, as a coach. I think he's a great head coach. Um, he's, he's proven that. And, you know, for the folks who are like, well, he was handed the keys to a Porsche. I'm like, well, he souped it up and didn't wreck it. So uh, I think that he's doing pretty good. And, you know, the big argument between him and Meyer was that Meyer would take these games so seriously and overanalyze and overstress. And that's been the opposite with Day, where he's almost able to just cut loose and everybody have a good time and just play fast. So you don't see the... 29 point loss to Purdue or you don't see this he's he's able to kind of keep the guys locked in and let them let them do their thing so uh really like Ryan Day as a coach I think he's he's the right man for the job uh similar to when um Lincoln Riley took over for um mind went blank Bob Stoops uh, Bob Stoops goodness <laughs> I kept saying boomer in my head I was like boomer sooner like that's not it um, that's, a, that's a great comparison though yeah I think that those are very similar, um, handed a great program. But, you know, let's talk about the actual team. I mean, the first thing you're going to – out of everybody's mouth is going to be Justin Fields. I mean, and it should be. He's going to be a Heisman finalist again, potentially win the Heisman this year. Um, I think he's he's an all-everything quarterback. I mean, he's going to be challenging to be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft next year. A lot of people have penciled Trevor Lawrence in, but let's see how this season plays out and see if you still think that because Justin Fields – has not had the amount of game time that Trevor Lawrence has had if you go back to high school as well. So I think that the sky is the limit for him. Um, as far as offense goes, I mean, you know, they have, you know, Chris Olave back as a starting receiver, but they've got, I mean, you know, Jacob, you've mentioned it, Garrett Wilson, um, you know, Jackson Smith, Najigba, and then Julian Fleming coming in, who on many of our, you know, the, the different recruiting services out there, was rated number one player overall for at least part of the cycle. So, you know, to have that kind of talent at receiver, I mean, you, you just roll the balls out there for for these guys. They're going to, like you said, reload. Uh, six returning starters on offense, again, it's not going to be that big of a deal. He does have his center back. He's got his left guard – or, excuse me, left tackle back. And then uh, Wyatt Davis at right guard. He's actually a first-team all-Big Ten uh, player. So they've got some – you know, they've got good offensive line there. Um, and then defensively, they only return three starters, but I mean, the guys that they have, you know, that are going to step in four and five star guys, their SMP plus is way up there. They're one of the most talented teams. Uh, I'm interested in my, my biggest thing that I circle coming in. We've talked about it on the transfer, uh, podcast was Trey Sermon coming from Oklahoma, coming in at, at, uh, running back, um, 
he's going to be eligible immediately. And then him and Master Teague are going to be kind of a tandem duo back there. Going into this season, my biggest question was going to be of Master Teague, can he be the workhorse back? I think he's an excellent number two back. I don't know if he can carry the load. He's not going to have to. Trey Sermon is going to be in, be in there. Even if they're going 50-50, I do think Trey Sermon will be the starter. I think he'll end up playing the majority of the snaps. But you play him 50-50, I think it makes both of them better. And put that in the backfield, that tandem in the backfield Justin Fields, I mean, it's going to be nasty. They're going to light up the scoreboard yet again. <laughs> and we're picking Ohio State to go undefeated. The only game we even questioned was the Penn State game on the road. It'll be a whiteout. I think Penn State can win that game. I don't, you know, right now we're just they're not going to win that game. That's what we're saying. So right. we, we might we might change our mind on that come, you know, whenever they play. But man, like you said, they're just they're so talented. The uh, the team talent composite from two four seven hasn't come out yet for this year, but you're going to see Ohio State in the top three. And top three is going to be Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State as far as talent on the roster goes. Um, offensive line wise, they've got three returning starters. And the two that are not returning starters are both former five stars. Harry Miller, who's a sophomore, and Nicholas Petit Freer, who's a sophomore. So both former five stars. So again, you lose starters, you replace them with five stars. Like you said, defensively, they're not only replacing them with four and five stars, but I mean this defense has ten of the eleven starters are projected to be either juniors or seniors. So upperclassmen on the defense, where, you know, a lot of times, you know, that means last year a lot of these young guys played. Um, then you have some guys who got the NFL draft, like, of course, Chase Young um, and, uh, oh, goodness, Jeff Okuda. I was like, who's the corner? Yeah. Jeff Okuda. Um, but Zach Harrison, he is a sophomore defensive end. He's the one who's not a junior or senior. He's going to be your next great pass rusher at Ohio State. And so, you know, they've had the Bosa brothers, Chase Young. Zach Harrison is next in line where – you know, come at the end of next year, you'll be seeing him go top 10 in the NFL draft. He's that kind of player on the defensive line. So once again, Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten. We're picking them to go 12-0. If I had to pick right now, I'm picking Justin Fields to win the Heisman. I just think that's that, a good pick. Like, I mean, obviously it's, you know, him or Trevor. That's not like some hot take. But like you, like you mentioned, Justin Fields has yet to hit his ceiling. And in this kind of offense with Ryan Day. Oh, yeah. It could be scary this year. So I, I think it is a very real possibility that Justin Fields goes number one overall next year over Trevor Lawrence. And just like, you know, this time last year, we're picking two to go number one overall, and Burrow came out of the scene. Well, Justin Fields is already a Heisman finalist, so it's not like he's going to burst on the scene like Joe Burrow did, but he can definitely overtake that top spot. Yeah, and like you said, uh, you were talking about talent. The, the talent around him will make him better. And you mentioned team talent composite, how that hasn't come out yet. But what we can use is the blue chip ratio. And look at Ohio State. They're the only, they're, there's three teams above 80% in the blue chip ratio, uh, which we discussed a couple weeks ago when it came out, which is obviously just the four and five star talent that's on your roster. That also includes, you know, transfers, which would include Justin Fields and all of that. So this team is at 80%. The you know, top two are 83 and 82%. So they're third in the nation. And the next team in the Big, tw- Big Ten is Michigan and Penn State. They're both at 59%. So think about that talent gap when you're thinking about these games. And it's not just, I mean, yes, on, on any given Saturday, Penn State or Michigan, if the right thing happened, 
maybe more Penn State than Michigan. But uh, if the right things could happen, they could beat them. Yes, that's true. But, I mean, if Ohio State plays their B-plus game and you play your A game, you're still getting beat. So just keep that in mind. But I you're love probably it. getting beat pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> but 12-0, I mean, that's, it's easy to pick this. But let's move on to the next best Big Ten team, in our opinion, which is the Penn State Nittany Lions. This is year – how long has James Franklin, Franklin been there? This, this is year seven. Or sorry. I was looking at his overall. Year seven of James Franklin. Uh, as far as Penn State goes, they rank um, fifth in our preseason XPR, fifth in SP+. They're 47th in returning production. While they're not on Ohio State's level, this is another one of those teams where they're good enough that returning production is not going to matter as much because of how much talent they have. Their win total is only set at nine and a half. And for me, this is an easy over. Oh, yeah. Um, I agree. So, you know, something that we've been talking about, obviously, the talent. I just mentioned the blue chip ratio. They're at 59% versus Ohio State being at 80%. So, you know, again, that's just talent on the roster overall. That's not developed talent. That's not this or that. Developed talent, you you and I would probably both agree we'd give the edge to Penn State over Ohio State just because they have more guys who have experience coming back. Um, For example, you look at the, uh, you know, preseason All-Big Ten team, Ohio State's got five on the first team. Penn State has four on the first team. So, I mean, it's not like they're lagging that much further behind or anything like this. The key here is Ohio State has that without returning as many starters. And just the depth overall is going to be the overall key here between the two. But, you know, speaking of Penn State, I mean, eight returning starters on offense. That's including your quarterback, your running back. You got five guys on defense coming back. You know, Clifford, Sean Clifford, the quarterback, had a great year last year. Well, a very, very good year. And what could be, um, you know, a great stepping stone in his career. Even if he replicates what he did last year, they're going to win 11 games, I think. Um, This is a very strong team. They're stronger than most uh, teams that they play. Journey Brown is getting a lot of pub in the backfield at running back. Um, He had a good year last year, almost averaged seven yards a carry. Just south of 900 yards, he had 12 touchdowns. Journey Brown's definitely a, a, a solid back, but when their backup is Noah Kane, who is a top five back in his own right coming out, I mean, he's he's a stud. He had almost 500 yards last year. I mean, their backfield's going to be just. I mean, I, I'm I'm really confident in Penn State's offense to put up points, especially James Franklin. Um, that's just his mo. Um, you know, defensively they've got. You know, some studs. Micah Parsons comes to mind um, at outside backer. He's going to be a highly uh, drafted player. Um, He was highly recruited. So, you know, these are the types of guys. Micah Parsons, I mean, he led their team in tackles last year, 109. Um, So, you know, definitely you've got some dudes coming back that it's easy to point to and say, hey, because of X, Y will happen. So, you know, because they have these guys back, this is going to be a cycle up, you know, big time year for the Nittany Lions. Man, since James Franklin got there, I mean, year one, he goes seven and six, year two, seven and six, and then pops. So 11 and three, go to the Rose Bowl, win the Big Ten, like go to the Rose Bowl, lose, but 11 and two, win the Fiesta Bowl, nine and four, lose the Citrus Bowl, and last year, 11 and two, win the Cotton Bowl. So, he has just raised the program for Penn State. Man, Penn State is one quarterback away from winning a national championship. 
Yeah. Like they, they really are a quarterback away. And that's, that's one thing that's really emerged in the playoff era is, is not just talent. You got to have the quarterback when it comes time for the playoff, because every team has won the national championship has had an elite quarterback, you know, outside of Jacob Coker with, with Alabama. But those teams were absolutely ridiculous um, that he played with at Alabama. But I mean, Micah Parsons is probably the best non-quarterback player in the country or non-offensive player in the country. He's unbelievable. Shaka Tony on the defensive line, he's a senior. He's unbelievable. They have the best backfield in the Big Ten and one of the best backfields in the country, with, like you said, with Journey Brown and Noah Kane. Journey Brown's going to be a top five back in the country this year, in my opinion. Sean Clifford, he's got to step up. Like, they, they literally have a roster that, again, this is one of those years where they get Ohio State at home. We're picking ten, we're picking Penn State to go 11-1, and one, losing that Ohio State game. You Would you say that Ohio that State game? Clifford to be a big red dog? <laughs> Possibly. You know, that if they win that Ohio State game, they get a one-game buffer. You can lose a game down the road and still get in the Big Ten Championship. And if you win the Big Ten with one loss – you're in. You're in the playoff. And then you're having the argument of, you know, if, if Ohio State's only losses to Penn State, you're having the argument of can two Big Ten teams get in, which I believe if that happens, they would let two Big Ten teams in because you're not going to tell me Ohio State's not one of the four best teams in the country. Listen um, to so, this layup of the schedule at the end, too, after Ohio State. It's Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers. I mean, they get sleepwalk and win those five games. You know, at a conference, they go at Virginia Tech in week two, but I think this is a far superior team to Virginia Tech. Um, even for a road game, again, like what travels best in college football on the road, defense and a run game, and Penn State's going to have a dang good defense and a dang good run game. And so, I mean, they probably have the best tight end in the country as well in Pat Fryermuth. Um, and so I expect big things out of Penn State this year. We're not picking them right now to be at Ohio State. So picking them to go 11-1, go get a great New Year's Six Bowl, Rose Bowl most likely. Um, another, you know, I hate to say disappointing because 11-1 is not disappointing. But I will say if you're sitting at 11-1 at the end of the year, you're at least being talked about for the playoff, especially if your only loss is to Ohio State and they're undefeated. Another one seed, you know, it really depends on how the rest of it works out. But, it happened with Alabama. You know, they're, they're sitting there, lost the division to Auburn, end up getting in at that force with one loss and won the national championship. So I don't think all hope is lost for Penn State if they lose a game, um, as long as Ohio State goes undefeated after that. I think that works in their favor. Well, we'll take a big leap from Ohio State and Penn State. Those are definitely the, uh, the top tier. Maybe top, you know, maybe Ohio State tier one, Penn State tier one and a half. Um, but then tier two, you might think we're going to talk about Michigan. We're going to talk about Indiana. So the Indiana Hoosiers, not ranked in our preseason XPR. They're ranked 27th in the preseason SP+. They rank 11th in the country in returning production. And another win total that for me is an easy over at seven and a half. Jacob made me pick them. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <clears throat> uh, we do think they're going to be a very solid team this year. Um, and so, you know, looking more in depth, I mean, obviously they're returning eight starters on offense. Get your quarterback, your running back, three out of five offensive linemen, 
you know, a couple receivers, tight ends. You know, they got the, they got their people nine back on defense, which, you know, for these programs, it's very important. The ones that are the middle to lower tier, very important on returning production, returning starters, um, you know, big time. Now, uh, their quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., um, he he finished the year for them last year. Uh, Peyton Ramsey, he transferred. He's going to Northwestern. So Michael Penix Jr. is the guy. Um, he finished the year on a hot streak, thirteen, uh, almost 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, four picks. So, you know, in limited role, had a good year. Um, you know, their receivers, um, uh, Wap Filior, Filier, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> One day we'll learn how to say his name. I mean, he had a thousand yards last year and five touchdowns. I mean, he a very good year. Um, I expect them to take a step forward. Um, you know, he's got Stevie Scott the third in the backfield, um, just south of nine hundred yards, ten touchdowns. I, you know, we just expect them to have another good season. We like what we've seen so far from Tom Allen, their coach, um, in a in a program that in Indiana that's just not. It's not well, very well thought of. Um, most people are thinking of it as a basketball school, which it is, uh, just <laughs> traditionally speaking. And, you know, last year they had an 8-5 and five record. I mean, you know, they, they won some games that people didn't expect them to. Um, you know, they took down Nebraska. I mean, these, you know, they, they didn't just beat the bad teams on their schedule. They beat a few teams that, you know, you would, you would have tabbed as probably losses for Indiana. So, yeah, and I, and I I love looking at trends, and so Tom Allen's record at Indiana since he became their head coach. Um, you know, previously he was the DC at Indiana, before that DC at South Florida. This is his first head coaching job. Um, five and seven year one, five and seven year two, eight and four year three. Year three is that year where good coaches make the jump. Like if it's gonna happen, year three is your hey you got your guys. You know, your, your recruits that were freshmen are now juniors. You make the jump. And so he made the jump in year three, which makes me hit the believe button and say, all right, <laughs> I think you can, you know, they'll be at the same or better this year. And then you start looking at returning production. Like we said, they rank 11th in the country in returning production. So there you go, quarterback. They've got their quarterback back, and he's a good quarterback. Like, then you look at the rest of their division, and they're capitalizing at a time where the Big Ten East – outside of Ohio State and Penn State is not as good. And Michigan, you know, I think is going between this tier one and a half and tier two. But in a year where, hey, can you beat Michigan in one game this year? In a year where Michigan's going to have a reload kind of year, a rebuild kind of year. Um, and we think they can. We're picking Indiana to go nine and three. And the reason they're ahead of Michigan in the division is because we've had them beating Michigan this year. The game just sits in the perfect spot in the schedule where for Michigan, it's the week before Ohio State. And so it's the perfect look ahead spot where we're picking an upset. Upsets are going to happen in college football. We're just picking one to happen with Indiana and Michigan. It, you know, it could not happen. That's fine, but we're picking it. So nine right. and three for Michigan, a one win improvement from last year. And it's, it's the perfect recipe schedule. You got the quarterback. You got a lot of returning production. You got a good coach. We, we we're expecting Indiana to improve, and they go eight and four last year. So picking them to go nine and three, that's a one game improvement, and you'll probably get into a pretty good bowl game. You're looking at an Outback Bowl, um, probably for Indiana, which would be great for them. Um, so yeah, expecting big things. 
out of Indiana this year. And next we'll go to the team we just talked about, Michigan. The Michigan Wolverines. Man, Jim Harbaugh, who I remember the year he became a head coach. His first year as a head coach, one of the preseason magazines picked them in the college football playoff. I remember calling you and saying, this is crazy. Like It's his first year. And I think it was ever since then that I'll be honest, I've had a little bit of a bias against Michigan just because I was like, he cannot be that successful. And to this point, he hasn't been. And the biggest thing for him is he's yet to beat Ohio State, which means he's yet to win the division. But in his defense, they've been in the position to win the division a couple times. I mean, you're an overtime away from beating Ohio State in year one. And then a couple of years ago, you know, you get absolutely stomped in that Ohio State game. And you can really, you know, we could talk for 30 minutes about the mindset of Ohio State and that rivalry where Urban really did make it a priority that we're not going to lose to Michigan. Game is everything to them. And when you're playing a team like Ohio State that's treating that game like it's everything, gosh, unless you're treating it like it's everything, it's probably going to get, you're probably going to get beat. And Harbaugh doesn't treat that game like it's everything. So, I mean, what are we what are we expecting from Michigan this year? Well, you know, we've talked about it a couple times. Harbaugh, he raised their floor. He raised Michigan's right. floor when he came in. There's no more the the Rich Rod, the Brady Hoke. I mean, even you know Lloyd Carr, just like that that team. There's not, you know, they're just gonna be a solid like you know, eight and four team, at least it seems like he's raised them as a program, but he hasn't raised their ceiling like the most of the Michigan fans were hoping um, just because of his track record. He has a great track record with everywhere he's gone um, as far as getting the most out of those teams. And, you know, it might, you know, suck for Michigan fans who are expecting to just come in and just start bullying Ohio state. That's just not going to happen. At least while Ohio state's being great, the best you could do is match them and get one every other year maybe you know and he's still not doing that but you know Michigan's not this you know embarrassment you know it's at least fun to watch games where you're going to have you're going to be in games in November where they matter so um, that's at least you know on the surface just a 10,000 foot view of what we think of Michigan or at least what I think of Michigan Um, but yeah I mean I think they're going to have a a good season again you know I think they're going to they're going to beat most of the teams on their schedule. They're going to lose to Ohio State and Penn State. And then, like what we just said, they're going to lose to Indiana. So, like, is that is that such a bad season? I mean, I don't know. So, offensively, they only return four starters. They don't bring their quarterback back. They're going to be, I mean, most likely starting Dylan McCaffrey, um, who will be a senior. Um, but, you know, Josh Gaddis came in last year. Very highly touted with, you know, what he was doing at Alabama the year before. He was co-OC at Alabama. Comes in last year. Him and Mike Loxley had that thing going back and forth with who was really, you know, the reason that Alabama's offense was great. Potentially neither one of them because Tua and those receivers are amazing. But I digress. But Josh Gaddis, towards the end, you saw his, his system really start taking place. And you saw the fruits of that system, and it really started showing down the stretch. They had some really good offensive performances, especially, uh, you know, Notre Dame comes to mind last year, beat them 45-14. Maryland the next week, 38-7. Michigan State, 44-10. to 
I mean, they beat Indiana last year pretty badly, 39 to 14. I mean, this is a, a talented group of guys. Uh, you know, then obviously they play Ohio State and Alabama. Most people aren't winning those games. Most teams aren't winning those games. So that's, <laughs> you know, you take it for what you will. I know there's no such thing as moral victories, especially in college football. But really, Michigan, you should really take some of these because you're not a bad team. You're just not an elite team. Um, I think they're going to be good, not going to be great. Right. And last year they go 9-3. And returning production-wise, they rank 125th in the country. So it's like we're saying, hey, you're not going to be any worse than last year. But, right. we're not, you know, you're not going to be much better. And honestly, with their schedule, 9-3 and three is a good year because you're going to play Ohio State and Penn State every year. We're picking an upset in Indiana. But in the non-conference, you go at Washington in game one. That's not a cakewalk. They're on, they're one of the teams in that blue chip ratio. And then from the other division, you draw the two best teams, Wisconsin and Minnesota, which are saying they're going to beat both of them. So 9-3 with this well, schedule. Well, giving a hot take saying they're going 9-3. Yeah, 9-3 with the schedule is great. Jim Harbaugh has made Michigan better. Every school he's been at, he's made the team better. And so, you know, I'm still not a – I'll say I'm not a Harbaugh fan if you're comparing him against the – Nick Saban's Dabo's, you know, like like he was when he came in. I just didn't think he was that level coach. I think he's that next tier. Like I think you can put him with Lincoln and Kirby and Ed O and Jim Harbaugh. I think he'd put in that next tier conversation. Like he he's made them better. And so nine three from Michigan. Um, yeah, six and three in conference. Well, we'll take a big leap after those four teams and go to Michigan State. Uh, not expecting great things from Michigan State this year. I mean, a lot of stuff preseason-wise where, you know, D'Antonio retires the day after the day before signing day? Day after signing day? It I was forget what two it. days before signing day. And or so, it was I mean, the day, but yeah, it was, it was the week of signing day. I think it was either, like I think it was Monday of signing day. Signing day was Wednesday that week. And you're talking February. Before he makes that decision. So while everyone else's head coaching search is over and while every candidate is gone, that's when he retires. And so you really put Michigan State in a really bad spot. Um, they end up getting Mel Tucker as a head coach. But this is going to be if other teams have a year zero, this is going to be year negative one for Mel Tucker. Because, <laughs> I mean, you didn't get to recruit any of the guys you want. Then you have to come and hire a coaching staff. I mean, they are really, really, really behind. And so not expecting a whole lot from Michigan State this year. To be fair, he recruited one player. It's Jordan Simmons, running back from Powder Springs, Georgia. The reason I know that is because it's Tyler Simmons' younger brother. Um, and he actually decided not to sign on signing day because of everything and basically got re-recruited to Michigan State by Mel Tucker. So... If you want to give one to Tucker, that's it. But, uh, yeah, it's – I mean, it doesn't look great. They weren't a good team last year. Uh, you know, 7-6 and six overall record, obviously 6-6 six and six in the regular season. They had that stretch of five losses, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Illinois, and Michigan, where it's just like it just didn't seem like they wanted to play football. Um, obviously, there's a lot more going on than what's on the surface with Antonio leaving um there's just just more to that story which you know yeah. I mean, you can you can google search and get in on it on the internet if you want to read about it but you know we'll keep it you know on the surface here 
program wasn't in a great place. He was worn down. He was ready to be done with everything. He lets it go. And, I mean, they got six starters back on offense. You know, don't have the, you know, quarterback or, or whatever. But um, production-wise, they're very low. Only three returning starters on defense. I guess the good news is they get their um, returning top two returning tackles leaders back. Um, their safety and linebacker. So uh, um, Antoine Simmons at linebacker and then Xavier Henderson at safety. So that's, that's a positive, you know, as far as, as far as that goes, but, you know, overall, I mean, this is going to be a season where they're going to have to kind of take it on the chin. Um, You know, it might be a couple of years before they're treading water again. And I know that's weird. You'd think, Hey, a six and six team from last year. I mean, even if they took a step back, maybe five and seven, and that's what I thought going into it. But looking more deeper at this, I mean, Mel Tucker's got one year of head coaching experience. And, I mean, he went five and seven. So, you know, I mean, he's going to be learning on the job. Um, you know, I, I definitely think he's a great coach. And I think he'll eventually be there. And if, as he recruits, he'll be, uh, he, you know, he's going to be the kind of guy that needs players. He's going to be a recruiting type coach. He's not going to be the, I mean, he's going to be an X's and O's guy. But he's not going to be like this forward-thinking offense. He's a defensive coordinator. So, you know, something to keep in mind there with, with Michigan State. And that 5-7 and seven was in the Pac-12 South. This is the Big Ten East. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, man, they rank 117th in returning production, so not a lot coming back production-wise. And, yeah, like we said, this is your negative one. So, 3-9, and nine, but with two Big Ten wins at the end of the season. So, we're picking them to get better as the year goes on. But, I mean, non-conference, you draw BYU, Toledo, and Miami. If you go 2-1, and one, you're lucky in that stretch. And that's Miami, picking, Florida, not Miami of Ohio. Not Miami, Ohio. Yeah, the one that we picked to go 9-3. So, <laughs> not expecting great things from Michigan State. But, again, this is year, whatever you want to call it, 0.5, negative 1, <laughs> this is this is the foundation year for, for Mel Tucker. Next, we'll talk about Maryland, year two of Mike Loxley. Uh, they get transfer quarterback in um, to his little brother, Talia. Tal- Talia. I'm like, I'm like, I could not think of his name. Talia Tagovailoa comes in. But, I mean, you're returning your quarterback from last year, although he wasn't that great last year, Josh Jackson. Uh, they rank 66th. In the preseason SP plus, they rank 90th returning production, three and a half as the win total. Let's talk about Maryland. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, with you know Talia Tugavaloa coming in, um, my first thought was, oh yeah, he'll be the starter for sure. But you know, they're they're returning their starting quarterback back, um, and then you know with you know Josh Jackson, he he didn't have a you know fantastic year by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I believe he was the transfer that came in from Virginia Tech the year before, if I'm not mistaken. But, yep, that's right. um, you know, Loxley, he's got a reputation for being a good offensive coach. You know, we'll see if that if that manifests itself over the course of this season. Last season, I think after that Syracuse, that first game against Howard, which poor Howard had to play, you know, Maryland. So 79 nothing, And then Syracuse, they beat them 63-20. to From that point, it was like, oh – they're great. Well, you know, 17 points scored against Temple, 59 nothing Penn State. Then they reversed that against Rutgers, which Rutgers is 
awful. So beat them 48 to 7. And then score only 14 against Purdue. Have a competent showing against Indiana and a loss, 28 points. Minnesota, they only scored 10. Michigan, 7. Ohio State, 14. Nebraska, 7. And then Michigan State, that was a struggle fest right there at the end, 15 to 19. <laughs> so, you know, when a head coach's identity is not manifest in his team, I mean, I know it was year one last year. That's something to just keep an eye on. Like, does this part improve? Um, they went 3-9 last year. That In those three wins, those three wins were blowouts. <laughs> but then on the reverse of that, I mean, they got just ran up and down. So um, I'll be interested to see if Josh Jackson hangs on to the job or if Talia Tagovailoa takes the job from him. Um, biggest get here is Rakeem Jarrett, their um, receiver. He's a five-star. Uh, they basically convinced him not to go to LSU, and he came in and, uh, with them instead. So he's a big-time player to watch. Um, that talent is not going to stay on the second team for very long. Um, I I almost, honestly think he'll just end up starting right out of the gate. Um, you know, otherwise, I mean, five returning on offense, five on defense. So kind of, you know, average on both sides, nothing, nothing crazy. But, I mean – Again, they get the short stick of not being that great of a team in, you know, a, a division that they're just going to get beat up by a few teams. And, yeah, they draw Minnesota from the – Minnesota and Wisconsin are their draws from the, the other side of the division so or the other side of the conference. So no cakewalk here for Maryland. I am not bought into Mike Loxley. His offense was great at Alabama. I feel like I could have called a great offense at Alabama with that yeah. talent. <laughs> all right, run four birds. All right, inside guys are crossing. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Two uh, is your quarterback. Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin got all the credit was because he was doing it with Jake Coker. All right, the, exactly. And then now and then it's like fresh you know, Jalen Hurts. So right. well, and Blake Sims. You know, Blake Sims, Jake Coker. Two guys who are just, you know, whatever. But then, you know, obviously, yeah. Then he gets Jalen Hurts. And then you got these other guys. I mean, it, yeah. I never got it with Josh Gaddis or Michael Oxley getting all this credit for Tua and uh, those receivers. Those receivers are nasty. So, And, he, and here's what wasn't talked about for last year. And not, now it's been mentioned. But going into last year as a head coach, Michael Oxley's record was 3-31. and 31. Three wins – 31 losses. That is awful. Like that is really, really bad. And then he gets <laughs> three and nine coordinator. Last That's not a head coach. <laughs> right. And so maybe head coaching is just not for him. Something to keep an eye on. We'll see. This will be telling. He's getting a guy that he knows really well and a transfer quarterback. We'll see if he wants the starting job. I mean, the offense is way too inconsistent. As a previous coordinator, I feel like the strength of your team should be that area. Right. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley coming in, Ryan Day coming in, the explosive offense, explosive offense, Kirby Smart coming in, lockdown defense, like Loxley coming in. Year one, way too inconsistent. Year two, we got to at least see some consistency with the points scored. Um, but we're picking Maryland to go three and nine. Excuse me, four and eight, four and eight, one and eight in conference. Their non-conference pretty easy with Towson, Northern Illinois, and West Virginia, who are down on as well. So. Not expecting a lot from Maryland, from Maryland. And if we're not expecting a lot from Maryland, we're really not expecting anything from Rutgers this year. <laughs> now, 
I I'll say I, I want to believe in Rutgers, but this isn't the year to believe in Rutgers, and we we, we had to talk about that one. But Greg Schiano has gotten the most out of Rutgers that any head coach has gotten out of Rutgers, and so Schiano's the guy. This is year one, so talk to me about Rutgers. Yeah, so I mean, you look at Schiano. I mean, he's over five hundred at the school. You know, he had 11 years there previously, 68 and 67 there. So one game over 500, which for a team like Rutgers, that's fantastic. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I agree. And I think that was the thing. I think we agreed that he was going to be the guy. And I had to kind of express that, yeah, it's just not going to be there for him for at least a, a couple years. But, you know, offensively, I mean, they've got seven starters back. Defensively, eight starters back. You know that Shiano is a defensive guy. That's his MO. He's DC for uh, Ohio State. Um, you know, he's just he's a Big Ten dude. I mean, famously got turned down at Tennessee when he got the job, but that's that's neither here nor there. But you know, I think he'll he's going to turn this program around. But this isn't the kind of program that you turn around, and this isn't the division you turn them around in. Over you know over one year or in this case, we're calling it year zero, his first year back with them. But I think he'll relatively quickly get it turned around for about as fast as you can turn Rutgers around. So I think you'll start seeing them challenging for a bowl game every year and being a consistently, you know, six and six, seven and five team. Um, but you're probably looking ahead three years to that. So this year, you know, I, in the team itself, you know, you're turning starting quarterback uh, or He's actually going to be the backup this year, and the backup has taken over. But, um, you know, Arthur Sitowski uh, will be the starter, at least according to our sources um, at Athlon Sports. <laughs> but he, you know, he had 400 passing yards last year, uh, just a touchdown and two picks. So, you know, meager results. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, what, what kind of, what we can expect from them. I mean, they went two and 10 last year, zero and nine in the big 10. I mean, they beat the mess out of Massachusetts last year. Uh, you <laughs> Probably know, the 40, worst team in FBS. Yeah. 48, 21. Um, and then, you know, they beat Liberty, the, the fighting flames, uh, 44, 34. <laughs> so, you know, um, they asked for Liberty or death and they got death. So that's, that's what they got. But, you know, uh, big 10 wasn't great for them. You know, this year, similar. Um, we we don't think they'll be any worse than last year, um, but you know, it's not going to be not going to be great this year. So, anyways, with that, picking them to go two and ten, their win total set at two and a half. I do think that they can win one of these games, though. Like we're picking them to go two and ten, but they can beat somebody. They could beat, you know, Syracuse. They could beat Illinois. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but maybe Maryland. I don't know. I mean, they could but, lose to Monmouth. I don't know. <laughs> but they also could lose to Monmouth. <laughs> they could. Man, I like Shana going forward, though. If they can recruit New Jersey really well, there's a lot of good players that are coming out of New Jersey and going to Michigan, going to Ohio State, going to Penn State, going to Alabama, going to Virginia Tech. Like, they're going to these other schools, and they're leaving the state, but – Similar to what Mac Brown's been able to do, if you can start to recruit the area, start right there in your backyard and get some of these players that, you know, maybe you get a highly rated three-star that's like, yeah, I'll go to Rutgers and play like immediately or 
maybe start to get a four star. You know, start to get these program changing players, and you know they can cycle up and go to a bowl game. Like I think that's that is your success at Rutgers is somewhere between five and seven to seven and five every year. If you're doing that consistently, you're doing very well at Rutgers, and that's exactly what Shiana did before. Right. And so I really believe that he can come in there and do it again. Um, I like their off the coordinator, Sean Gleason. So he was the OC at Princeton. And so, again, in that New Jersey area, like, knows that area, knows those players, was one year at Oklahoma State last year, their offensive coordinator. And then he got hired on by Shiano as his offensive coordinator. So if he's leaving Oklahoma State to go to Rutgers, um, he was really believing Shiano and what they're going to do there. And so I think moving forward, Rutgers can be in a really good spot, but not this year. <laughs> Two and ten for Rutgers. Uh, next week, we will talk about the Big Ten West. I mean, is Nebraska finally going to do it? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you got the Big Three, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Northwestern and Purdue could be better. Illinois went to a bowl last year. Big Ten West is interesting. I would rank them second to the ACC Coastal as far as favorite conferences where anything can happen on any given Saturday. It's the Wild but that'll West. that'll do it. That's the Wild West. That's right. And that'll do it for this edition of The Extra Point. You can follow him on Twitter at DSouthDaniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes. See ya.